Gridiron Show in association with Cut Townships, getting you, yes, you in the game. Right on today's show, we talk the London Games announcement and go into the Eagles locker room, trade deadline day, Hugh Jackson being fired, and we'll hear from the wonderful Kay Adams from the NFL. This is the Gridiron Show. Right, welcome to the Gridiron Show in association with Touchdown Trips, getting you... Yes, you! ...in the game. We head off next week, Ollie. Are you excited? I'm I'm really excited. I can't Hi. tell you how excited I am. It's Wednesday morning and the other Gridiron guys have naffed off to the East Coast, and I'm a, bit, a little bit jealous, but actually, I'm not that jealous, because we're going West Coast, the weather's going to be great for parts of it, and we're going to see some OK football but we're going to be with some other fellow NFL fans. I get to spend most of my time with you. I'm just loving it. It's going to be, I, I feel like it's going to be a bit of a, um, bit of a weird show today, mainly because we've already been recording for 10 minutes <laughs> and just singing at each other and being a bit weird. And hopefully if Ollie uh, found a bit of audio and I've put it onto the front of the, the, the show here, uh, <laughs> When we did the live game from Wembley on Sunday, uh, and we will have uh, from the Eagles locker room, Malcolm Jenkins, Jake Elliott, and... Avante Maddox. Well done, mate. Um, coming up later in the show, we're also going to talk, we should mention, right, we're going to talk all of the traders. The reason we've waited till Wednesday, the uh, did I get all my R's and W's the right way around then? It doesn't feel like I did. I think you did. I would have put, pulled you up on it and uh, ridiculed. So I think you did. Well done, buddy. The reason we waited till Wednesday right, is to, so that the um, oh, harsh, so that the uh, we could get the trade deadline out of the way and go through all of that with you. So yet again, we're not going to go back over all the weekend's games. There are other shows that do that. We'll talk about Hugh Jackson uh, being fired, Todd Haley being fired, Greg Williams being promoted, all of that as well. But yeah, when we did our live game, the uh, the the Jags Eagles game this past weekend. Uh, we were doing the national anthems live on Talksport Two, and uh, unlike with like American radio, where they have like a feed for the stadium audio to them, we just do it on like uh, ambient mics. So we just have the mics picking up the sound of, and it's great because you get the atmosphere and if people are singing along and stuff. Except one person didn't just sing along, did they, Ollie? I don't know what you mean. I didn't sing along. I never sing along to our. Yeah, you do that bit in the middle. That's fine. That's what you're meant to do there. It's in the lyrics. And it was immediately afterwards. And and the thing is, is that you did that like two minutes after. There was a guy who was broadcasting for Spanish radio who oh, sat behind us. Dreadful human being, that guy. And, and they did, uh, they had a moment's silence. And obviously a moment's silence for the tragic news in Leicester this past weekend. And then, of course, the happenings in Pittsburgh as well. Kind of a joint minute silence uh, that, that covered the both. And... Uh, he was chatting away in Spanish about Nick Foles when they went to the minute silence and everyone had to turn around and shush him and get him to be quiet. So it wasn't like that was bad, bad. Yours was just hilarious bad. OK, OK, fine. I thought you were going to say mine was worse because there was no way that was worse. No, no, not no, no, at no. all. No, no, no. It's funny. It's just one of those things that I thought you meant to do. I mean, our, our anthem's dreadful. Why not just, you know, liven it up a little bit? Yeah. 
brought me much amusement. You're welcome. So I'll do that. Uh, so yeah, let's. Um, oh, I don't know where we're going already, but where should we start? Well, first of all, there's been an announcement, uh, conf- confirmation from NFL UK that there will be four regular season games played in London next season: two at Wembley, two at Tottenham. Weirdly, I had somebody. I, I put the the announcement out on Twitter, and I said I said something along the lines of I was going to put together a post that said. Um, like this was to be, uh, I began like this is exactly what we expected. But then I said, do you know what? Let's never take this for granted. Four regular season NFL games played in London continues to be like nigh on miraculous for people who remember supporting the NFL before two thousand and seven. It's incredible. And then, and then this guy Andrew came out at me, came back at me, uh, like having a big old whinge that they're doing any games at the Tottenham Stadium. Well, the Tottenham Stadium holds 25,000 less oh, than Wembley. Yeah. 50,000 people who aren't going to get their tickets. Ah. Well, firstly, they've never done more than three games at Wembley, and I don't think they will at any time in the near future. So it's actually, compared to Twickenham, it's only ten to 12,000 seats less than Twickenham held. Yeah. And actually, it's all about the long-term sustainability. I know that this season there were real problems with the tickets, but actually other years when they've had returns and everything else, the games, they've sold out in air quotes, but they haven't been absolutely at capacity. There's always been a way to get a ticket around the game week. And you know what? I don't know anyone who wanted to go to a game this week who didn't manage to get a ticket off Twickets or off a Facebook group or find one for face value, not paying a, a dodgy tout yeah. over the odds outside the stadium. So that's you know, that's the, the, the positives of it. I don't believe in that nonsense uh, about the... the I think the fact that if you're having it at Tottenham makes it long-term sustainable, makes it more likely we're going to have more games here because that stadium is more suitable uh, and more likely we get a franchise here. So, well, they, And also that Tottenham have a 10-year, two-game per season contract with the NFL, at least. So, look, two games means, one, that the Tottenham Stadium is going to be ready, and and two, it's two games in an NFL-specific stadium. And by that, I mean they've got their own field the field is actually underneath a retractable grass pitch that is taken out in 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 um i think it's in thirds but underneath is the actual nfl field the um, the stands will be higher than the nfl field so you'll be able to see over there'll be no see over the the, the players on the sidelines there'll be no blocking of seats so it will be around 62,000 fans it will get to be in there you'll be close to the action because it's a soccer stadium or a football stadium but it will still be an nfl game and i i can't i cannot wait that it's going to be superb yeah it's going to be brilliant and look there are there are quite a few people are throwing around ideas of what kind of teams can come over well firstly the Chargers are due to host the packers now that for me, I think the Packers are one of three teams that haven't made it over to the UK yet, which is the Panthers and the Texans, the other two. I think that's the ideal opportunity to bring over the Packers because they will sell far more tickets than than will fit in that that little tiny soccer stadium of thirty two thousand in LA. I think it's the perfect opportunity, and if they don't do it, it's a it's an opportunity missed. I know that Green Bay are keen to come over as well at some point, and when we go. On the on the trip to Seattle, and hopefully it's um, hopefully we'll we'll have an idea of, of of the teams coming over. We don't know. We don't know when that will be. But if we don't know, I'm going to ask Aaron Rodgers. Fancy coming over and playing in the UK. The other the other option, or well, not the other option, but if we look at the Jags' schedule, you've got 
all of their um, the 2019 schedule. They've got the, the divisional games, but they have away games. Oh, they, sorry, they have home games against the Kansas City Chiefs, the New, New Orleans Saints, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and either a home game against an AFC North opponent that finishes in the same position or an AFC East opponent that finishes in the same position. So we could get the Chiefs or the Saints come back over here, and that could that that would be amazing. Feels like you've really thought about this. Well, I, it's a bit of research. That's all I've done. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're a great man, Ollie Hunter. Don't Thanks. let anyone tell you any different. Thanks, big man. Uh, not that anyone was saying any different. Well, what have you he, heard? He didn't hear me. He didn't <laughs> hear me. Move on. Uh, so, yeah, uh, I... I'm very positive about it. That's all that we really need to say about it. Uh, coming, so we ever we kind of started to discuss this, and I don't think we ever nailed it down because we got weird about the anthems and stuff. But um, other than the three interviews from the Eagles locker room, we've got some other stuff that we've not used yet. We've not had our Kay Adams chat. We've not had our uh, Josh Scobie chat. Mm-hmm. Uh, do we want to include some of those in this show as well? well Fred Taylor. I, I, I don't know. I, I think we did discuss it. I think I ruled out the two Jags guys because it's not quite contemporaneous. Um... Well, let's uh, let's hear from from Kay Adams later in the show because you know she was absolutely brilliant and really good fun. And uh, yeah, I'm going to say that's what we should definitely do. Uh, but in the meantime, let's talk about the news from around the NFL that we need to get to. Uh, starting off with. Do you want to do trade deadlines first or the Cleveland Browns? Well, trade deadlines is most recent, so let's do that. Okay, so trade's done on deadline day, as it's uh, now becoming more and more (laughs) like uh, actual transfer deadline day. Uh, Just to run through them quickly, uh, Washington took Ha-Ha Clinton-Dix from the Packers for a fourth-round pick. Dante Fowler moved from the Jags to the Rams for a third and a fifth in 2019-2020, respectively. Ty Montgomery went to the Ravens for basically nothing. Demarius Thomas goes to the Texans from the Broncos. Golden Tate heads to the Eagles from the Lions. All the moves going on uh, the in the last kind of 24 hours of the window. Ollie, let's start off with um, with your Packers because you moved on Ty Montgomery for a seventh round pick to the Ravens. It's a seventh round in 2020, and I think the thing that immediately jumps to, to that is apparent and clear on this is. Uh, that, that Coach McCarthy said after the game, he's he is one of those private and quiet and least kind of out there coaches when it comes to giving out information about the team. He's very guarded. He's very keeps everything mm. close to his chest. He pretty much completely called out Ty Montgomery for the fact that his instruction was take a knee if it's in the end zone for anything. Take a knee if it's in the end zone. He didn't do that. It ended up costing a team. It ended up costing him his place in Green Bay. Look, uh, the whole thing, and you saw my reaction, I could not believe that he ran that ball out. I could not, I could not believe it. Now, if you, uh, if you haven't read it, go and read Mike Silver of the NFL, his article about it. He's spoken to members of the team anonymously and members of the, the coaching team as well. And all of them are... Did, are disappointed and angry that that Montgomery ran it out he apparently Montgomery was upset that his touches had been decreased because of the 
the obvious emergence of Aaron Jones as the the number one back and Jamal Williams as a as a better complementary than Ty Montgomery. Then they shoved Ty an unhappy Ty Montgomery on that vital kickoff return where all he had to do is either let it bounce in the end zone or take a knee in the end zone. He decides to run it out with two minutes, nine seconds left with Green Bay down by two points. Aaron Rodgers only has to go half the length of the field for for a, a shot at, at winning the game with Mason Crosby. It's something that's happened plenty of times before. I think I would have cut him. I know it was if it was beyond the trade deadline, I would have cut him. <laughs> I know they they obviously could they thought right we can get uh, we can get a pick out of him or we can get something for Ty Montgomery. The way he did that, I, I think it's an absolute he's an absolute disgrace and a dreadful professional for letting the team down in that way. And good riddance, absolutely good riddance. And it, it's um. I think getting a seventh round pick, some say that could be cheap. I think it's, you know, about right because in my eyes, the bloke should not be on a football team if he's going to throw the rest of his teammates and an, and a, an organisation under the bus like that. Disgraceful. Not a happy chappy, were you? So uh, he's heads off, and he'll be a complimentary guy at the Ravens. There's not much else to say there. You know, Alex Collins is there. They go ahead back the guy who does the bulk of what happens there. So yeah, I, there's not a huge amount more to say about that trade apart from uh, it was that, getting uh, a bad egg out of the building, yeah. and that and that's the main thing. And Green Bay got something for him. The other one is Clinton Dix leaving. You, can, can we just talk about that game on um, on? on Sunday quickly though yeah, yeah. 29-26 you lose to the Rams and we are deprived of the fact that we would have got a Rodgers two minute drill if there's any game worth talking about from this past weekend it's that one because what immediately and obviously stands out is how well your def- defence played particularly in the first half watching it back my Payton got them absolutely humming against the Rams and it's not an easy thing to do considering the number of weapons they have how well designed that offence is and it's something we saw uh, we've seen the Ravens do recently as well which is doing these what they call amoeba fronts where go on your, your front seven is not obviously 3-4 not obviously 4-3 they are looking like they might show blitz they're showing different looks there and it, almost never settling constantly moving around the line which makes it so much more difficult for a quarterback to come up to the line decide what's happening and then change the play call based on that or figure out whether it's Mm. zone or man or all that other stuff that the Rams do so brilliantly well now they did figure it out a bit in the second half you know it is um, you do get some susceptible pretty soft zones when you're playing in that style because you might you know get caught out in the wrong moment and the Rams obviously started to move the ball much quicker in the second half but I think there was a lot to be positive about you add to that the fact that Jair Alexander looks like an absolute superstar 100% yeah they picked on him. They actually threw in his direction, and he just time and time again made big plays. I, I, there was so much to like out of the Packers on Sunday that if they'd won, I wouldn't have uh, complained about it at all. But you look at the upcoming games with the Patriots on Sunday Night Football on Talk Sport, uh, the Dolphins, then the Seahawks and Vikings on the road. A couple of difficult games in there, and they could win them all based on how they played this past weekend still want to see more from the offence and the offensive play calling but a, a loss where there was still positivity within the loss and and that's exactly right there was it was 10 nothing, and a, a, a safety on a bad play call really brought 
the Rams back into it and then you had the Johnny Hecker completing on a fourth down shock horror so there was there was some things the momentum switched was was real there were things that happened and then Todd Gurley I, I know Greg Rosenthal said on the Around the NFL podcast he's the best closer in football that isn't a quarterback and that's what he did he, he just took the game away from Green Bay and they couldn't cope with him and you know, fair enough. You, as a as a Packers fan, you hold your hands up and say Todd Gurley's the best running back in football right now, and and that's fair enough. But you're right. The way the defense played, the 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 coordinating of it, I thought was was superb. And J- Jair Alexander, his emergence, not it. I mean, it's not too much of a surprise, but it was a real breakout game, and I think it it softens the blow of losing haha Clinton Dix in free agency now he's gone to Washington for a fourth round draft pick um he had a dreadful 2017 season I'll, I'll throw some I'll throw some stats uh some haha Clinton haha Clinton Dix stats at you uh he was the fifth in tackles last season for for Green Bay uh, where are they where are they da, 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 da. While you're looking them up, yeah, let look, me give yeah, my view on it. Yeah, give me your view. In the vacuum, it makes total sense because it is uh, he's in a contract year and the, um, they probably would have had to have paid him quite a decent amount of money. And whilst he showed early on in his career, he looked like he was going to be one of the young, best young safeties in the NFL. He's levelled out. I still think he's a. Uh, I still think that he is an average starter at worst. So it makes it more difficult for them this year. But I think they would have moved on from him at the end of the year anyway. So getting a fourth round pick for him, fine. I just think if you believe there's a championship to happen this year sometimes you keep those guys around even if they are going to leave because you know it makes your team stronger within that season but you're about to tell me that he's not been very good this year and I'm totally wrong anyway well uh, not necessarily this year but second uh, last year a year ago Clinton Dix finished second on the Packers with 13 missed tackles he was fifth among Green Bay's six safeties in tackles per snap with one every 12.2 and that's incredible because safeties come away with an awful lot of tackles and one of the main things is that in his regular in the final game against Detroit uh, in the regular season he turned down tackles and appeared more concerned with avoiding injury so things like that it's another get, contract year issue isn't it Yeah, get noticed and okay Jermaine Whitehead could come in he was the undrafted guy who's played a little bit of inside linebacker second round draft choice Josh Jones from a couple of years ago could go back there and and do a job actually I know he's had three interceptions this season he's only had one sack and only 12 tackles as well I I don't think it's that big a loss when I read those stats and and I remember how ineffective he was last season uh, from a Washington perspective, they do need help at the back end, so I don't worry about it at all. It's kind of I feel a similar way. It's about like Dante Fowler with the Rams, a 2019 third round pick and a 2020 fifth round pick to the Jags. Now he was honestly a bit of a bust in Jacksonville when you really nail down to the numbers. I mean, there was some bad luck involved. There was that torn ACL in his first season, but he only had 14 career sacks two this year never quite produced as expected for a top top pick he was suspended for violating team rules back in August handed a one week suspension by the NFL for violating the league's conduct policy um, and you know you salvage something from a swing and a miss is is not the end of the world and 
you know, there were whisperings and murmurs that the incident on Friday and Saturday, whilst we heard about all the defensive backfield, that Dante Fowler was also out on that night. Now, they're obviously just that whispers and rumours, but you kind of get the impression that I don't want to say bad egg, like we were saying before necessarily, but the, the fit wasn't there in Jacksonville, whereas there is clearly raw ability with the young man and when there is raw ability and you're getting Wade Phillips and all that other talent on that the Rams front there then actually kind of made sense for everyone I think it does and it, it's scary that I know Aaron Donald he had two sacks against Green Bay in that game we've just been talking about he looks unbelievable when you've got Ndamukong Sue add to that the raw talent of Dante Fowler wow 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 Fowler, I remember him doing a scoop and score last season with the Jags. So he's got the pace. He um, he 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 can beat players on the outside to get to that quarterback. So I think it's a really good fit. It's I th- it's a case of I think with Jacksonville, maybe the they felt like it's a good opportunity to move on, cash in a little bit, and they're kind of deep the Jags although they haven't been playing that well the defence this year they are deep on defence so and their scheming is good that someone else coming in may do just as good a job as Fowler who as you said I think yeah a little bit of a bust yeah I kind of yeah like I said I think this kind of works for everyone it's going to be interesting to see what Jacksonville do with their pass rush for the rest of this season. Like, that's the one area yeah. we're obviously going to have to continue to follow. But... Calais Campbell and Malik Jackson haven't really stepped up in in any way, really, this season compared to the last two years where the Jags defense was the number one, almost the number one off of uh, fantasy like they were at the beginning of this year. And the, the defense hasn't played to its capabilities. Maybe getting out, Dante Fowler and they can concentrate on doing what they do maybe that will help them we'll we'll wait and see after the bye week Uh, so uh, let's move on what other trades did we have on the final day Demarius Thomas yeah Demarius Thomas so Demarius Thomas uh, basically the Broncos get a fourth round pick they swapped seventh round picks as well which I guess that that means the the Texans will get a slightly higher seventh round pick if we're to believe they're the better team than the Broncos, which I think we are. Um, This immediately helps the Eagles for for obvious reasons um, because it is... uh, Sorry, the Eagles, the Texans. I was thinking about the other wide receiver trade. Immediately helps the Texans because they've lost Will Fuller for the season. So Demarius Thomas, it's a very different skill set to what Will Fuller offered in terms of a stretching the field guy that you get in Thomas, whereas he's... No one as explosive as he once was, but he can still be a decent possession receiver. Apparently very well respected for his work ethic. So lots of slants, lots of chain moving type stuff, which can go with, you know, the fact that they've also got uh, the injured rookie in the slot, Kiki Kuti, doesn't have a reliable tight end. Um, they, I, I can't imagine that they'll keep him at the $14 million base salary next season but this helps them immediately this year after showing signs of life against Miami I like it and then from a Broncos perspective Cortland Sutton gets a, a big old boost if you're thinking about fantasy value um, and actually you know, it's not an offense that's particularly great at the moment already so I, I think it's again one of those that kind of works for everyone right now yeah and you mentioned the lack of a, a viable tight end since they lost CJ Fedorovic 
last season with that with multiple concussion issues. What they're getting in Demarius Thomas, yeah, he's not that stretch of field guy. He doesn't have that raw pace that he did have, but he will help Demarius uh, DeAndre Hopkins. There's too many D's. They, he'll help De- Demarius uh, DeAndre Hopkins, but Demarius Thomas, six foot three, good hands, got that high point. I think he's he's a red zone option, a really a, a much needed red zone option because where Hopkins has amazing hands, you are right in that he does find separation especially in that um, in in that short field situation a little more difficult so you can have a high point with Thomas old Watson can loop it up there for Thomas who can who can bring it down and yeah the um, I love Cortland Sutton I've been banging on about him ever since I saw him at SMU a couple of seasons ago I think he will now emerge from Thomas's not shadow but that you you'll have a clear number two there, and I expect him to grab that, literally grab it all with both hands. I think it, it's a it's a really sensible trade for both. Well, isn't it nice we're agreeing on things again today? Uh, why? Where are we going to argue? That's the big question. Come on, Ollie. Well, the Lions shouldn't have got rid of Golden Tate. That's where there we go. Argue. Let's kick let's kick off here. Um, I, the fact is, with Golden Tate, is that. They have got other options there. They've had a third-round pick, very cheap. You know, I, honestly, I don't think it. I think it's worth more than you get from Tate in the rest of this season. And they're not going to be able to keep him for longer term beyond beyond the end of this. It makes them worse right in the moment. But I like. Golladay, I like Marvin Jones. I don't think it's going to make them too much. TJ Jones will also get involved. Um, yeah, I, I don't think it's horrendous. It's not great, but it's not terrible either. And especially after when you spoke to Nate Burleson and he agreed with me that they're the best trio in football, uh, now they're not. Did and you say they were the best trio in football? I th- I said that they could be the best three wide receivers if you take all of them and you said they're you know they're they're three number twos that but do three number twos make better than a number one and two number threes that kind of thing but now it you know that's immaterial now what they've done is they've let go one of the best slot receivers maybe the best slot receiver in football at the moment and they've let him go to an nfc probably a wild card rival because the lions are still in this okay it, they're in a very competitive division and the Vikings the, the Bears and the Packers all three of those can still win or foot the division as well as well as the Lions but it seems to me that the Lions have said look we're going to have to wait until next year now okay um, well, did you disagree with that? no I don't really oh. I was going to try and disagree with it but you're probably right yeah fair enough <laughs> uh, but it does however make the Eagles immediately better uh, yeah they, great uh, for the Eagles superb for the Eagles because they had um, Jordan Matthews do a bit and Nelson Aguilar is hit and miss and well, Jordan Matthews is basically a tight end at this point plus they've yeah. got tight ends that can catch the ball I, I, they've just added a weapon to an already the only thing I don't get is I would have thought they'd have gone for a running back now we saw on Sunday that Josh Adams emerged as a really good option for that game is he a really good option longer term as well that's kind of the question to be asking but it worked really well in that game the weekend 
Yeah, he did. I think we'll see far more, far more throwing from Carson Wentz because it did work well. But when you when you add Golden Tate to the the laden receiver core and tight end cores and and, and all the cores, I just I think we'll see far more throwing and a lot more. Yeah, far more throwing from Carson Wentz and maybe more scrambling from him, from him as well as those kind of things break down design plays and moving away from the rushing game where Wendell Smallwood took a little bit of a back step against the Jags. Um, Darren Sproles is is injury-ridden and Josh Allen is just come breaking into the team. Uh, that kind of rounds up the, those last day trades. Should we hear from inside that Eagles locker room uh, a few of the players that you spoke to? Let's do it. Good, wonderful. Uh, where do you want to start with? Because it was your uh, it well. Was let's um, your chat. Let's start with Jake Elliott. He talked about the. Um, he talked about playing on the hallow turf of Wembley and 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 how difficult it will be for Man City and Spurs to play on that field. And we saw that as well. We'll leave all of that stuff in. So we'll start with him. Make our way to Avante Maddox, who's the guy that uh, forced that that fumble which then Malcolm Jenkins who we'll hear after Maddox picked up and scooped and sco- uh, scooped and uh, took down the field massive change of momentum so let's hear it in that that order I'm here with uh, Eagles kicker Jake Elliott Jake what a great win yeah you know that's huge um, you know traveling all this way it'd be it'd be hard to go back any other way so um, you know glad we got the win especially headed into the bye week I think that's that's huge and hopefully we can build on that after the bye week you've got the Cowboys it's live on, on our station, Talk Sport, Sunday Night Football. How big is that game? Big divisional game as well. Yeah, you know, anytime you play the Cowboys, um, it's, it's a big one. So, you know, especially Sunday Night Football, they're coming into our place. So, um, big one that we're going to have to get ready for. But I think this, this week's going to give some guys some rest and we'll come back really rejuvenated. Probably a question you've been asked loads of times. Uh, as a kicker, you kick the ball, you're out on uh, on the hallowed turf of Wembley Stadium the big soccer soccer stadium soccer field how did it feel I was a little beat up I was a little beat up tonight but uh, really cool experience playing here you know you, you grow up and you watch all these awesome soccer games even I mean they, they do everything over here so uh, cool cool to finally get over here and you know the experience playing here was awesome so you're saying the field was a little bit beat up we've got a soccer game tomorrow yeah <laughs> I mean how do you feel how's that going to happen I don't know. It'll be interesting. I mean, it's definitely a little money in the center. I don't think it's used to all these football games. It's been a lot uh, recently. So uh, I'm sure they'll do a great job fixing it up, though, and getting it ready for them. And this whole experience, this trip out here, I know you came over later on in the week. Yeah. It's, uh, describe to me what a, kind of a trip like this and then a victory can do for the morale of the team. Yeah, I think it's. Um, I think a change of scenery every once in a while is kind of nice. And, you know, hopping across over the pond here was um, a lot of fun. You know, I've... A lot of guys haven't been over here, so for them to be able to see even the small amounts that we got to see when we were over here was was a pretty cool experience. Now, I know you, the snapper, the long snapper and the punter, you tend to keep yourself to yourself and do your own thing, but both the offense and the defense played really well today. Yeah, I think uh, all three phases really came up big. You know, everyone everyone contributed, and, and that's what it takes to get a win in this league. And back to 500, I mean, it's a, a wide-open NFC East. Eyes are on the prize, right? Yeah, yeah, and that brings us back to next week. Next week's going to be, or two weeks, I should say. Um, you know, a huge divisional matchup and, you know, a lot of implications going forward with that one. And just, uh, what was the better feeling, a Super Bowl win or a win at London? <laughs> it's a ridiculous question. <laughs> I think I'm going to take the Super Bowl right now, but this one feels nice in the moment. Brilliant, thank you very much. <laughs> thank you. 
The situation in the Pacific is worse than reported. The Japanese are planning something big. What's the target? Midway. From the director of Independence Day. A couple dozen planes. It's all Japanese fleet. We got the order to launch. Discover the incredible true story. Today we're going to be underdogs. Of the World War II battle. Good luck, boys. Fire! Midway. Download and keep now. So I'm joined by uh, Eagles, Avante Maddox. Avante, what a great, great win. Thank you, appreciate it. <laughs> I appreciate it. How do you feel your game personally went? I, I saw some, you, you've, uh, you mixed up some uh, you, some passes and you, you've made some tackles, so a pretty good day for you, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, I probably had a pretty good day. I made a few plays, but it's always work to get better, always places I can get better in. And when I get in the film room, that's definitely things I look at. Absolute ball hawking as well. Um, forcing the fumble, which your, your man next to you picks up and... Man, what a what an amazing, amazing, almost um, momentum-turning play. Uh, definitely. I mean, coming into this game, we was looking for turnovers. We wanted turnovers. That was our main goal, was to beat them in a turnover game. So when I was out there, I was just making sure I could find ways to get the turnover. And, you know, it just so happened it came at a crucial time. And when it happened, our offense was able to capitalize on, capitalize on it and get a touchdown. Now, next to you, uh, and, and uh, he's got the world's media, is Malcolm Jenkins. Uh, you know, what a, what a great guy to... To be on the same team as, let alone, uh, you know, pick up that amazing play with him as well. Definitely. I mean, Jink, he's, I mean, I moved to safety and Jink has been helping me since I've been there. And, I mean, he's a big, big, big role in our defense. He knows every position, everything. And, you know, making a fumble and seeing him picking up like a dynamic duo <laughs> out there. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely good to see it. I know I turn around, I'm looking for the ball, and I see Jink just scoop it up. I'm like, all right, go, Jink, I'm block for you. So, definitely a good thing. Yeah, man, makes it all worth it. Uh, it's comments before the game about Bortles. Did you guys use any of that, or is it all, it's all like you're focusing on what you need to do uh, going about, out? It's all about us. I mean, every time we go out there, our mind is on us. I mean, making sure we don't beat ourselves, making sure we do all the things right, making sure we execute in every position so we can be able to come out with a victory. Talk to me about the Eagles uh, crowd out there. It was a Jags home game, but, man, and it felt it felt like it was uh, in in Westside Philadelphia. Definitely, I mean Philly fans are they they follow you they follow you everywhere we go and, they, and every time he's on defense I'm be up and pumping the crowd up and it's getting louder. I'm like okay there we go. So I mean it was like a championship game out there. The crowd was full. You know how it was eighty five thousand or so. Eighty five thousand so record. It was definitely filled and yeah, it was it made him feel like he was definitely at home. Would you be happy to come back here again? Oh definitely, definitely I would. And do you think? Uh, Looking at the crowd, the London could sustain a team out here full time. Yeah, I mean, y'all got great fans. I mean, they come around. I mean, like I said, it was a full stadium. I mean, sold out looking stadium, and definitely feel like a championship game. So I definitely see it growing here. A little bit of rest and relaxation on your bye week, and then it's Dallas the week after. They're coming into your building. Big, big rivalry. Looking forward to that, I presume. Uh, definitely looking forward to it. Uh, just, just, just good feeling coming out this week with a win and going into the bye week with a win, and then the next two weeks going into a rival game and be able to try to get another win. Thanks very much. Thank you. I'm joined by Malcolm Jenkins, Philadelphia Eagles. What a great win for you guys today. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, with all of the <laughs> travel, all that 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 happened this week. Um, for us to, to come out here and win in the fashion that we did, and it, it required everybody against a good Jacksonville team, um, it's definitely a gratifying win. You had a really, really good game. Recovered a fumble that this man next to you mm-hmm. uh, forced out, and what a heads-up great play. Well, I mean, you know, like I said, like you said, uh, 
I don't get that player without without Avante. He's a young player that stepped into a role for us that um, he wasn't quite accustomed to based on injury, and it's been a crucial, you know, contributor to what we're doing on defense. Uh, and no bigger play than, than that one. That, you know, Jaguars did a great job of taking the ball away on their defense, so we knew we need to had we had to steal a possession back, uh, and that was one of them. And that, you know, that play, I'm just there to scoop it up, but that's a play that we practice all week, and he's able to come. Uh, force that ball out right on time. Our offense goes and scores. Uh, and those are the type of you know plays that we need uh, to to really function as a unit when we talk about teamwork. Jags have been here for six straight years. Did, were you expecting such a loud, veriferous Eagles support yeah. in the stadium? Yeah, we know our fans, and they travel anywhere. You know, uh, we we joked about them getting their passports well in advance and make sure they can make this uh, this event. Uh, this game to, to support, they always you know show up no matter if it's home or away. So it wasn't surprising that they were real loud today. You changed your mind about Blake Bortles? <laughs> I mean, look, I think he's a great. I think he's a, a, an NFL quarterback. Obviously, he deserves the job that he has. Uh, he, he makes it hard, especially when he's scrambling. He did a good job, you know, today making plays. Um, so yeah, my mind's where it's at. I mean, there's a lot of sympathy for for number seven cap over in this side of the pond. Um, I, a lot of us here would would like him to be back in football, and I, I hope it's not too far away. And I, I think you you share that opinion, right? Yeah, I mean, I think you know it's it's pretty obvious to me, you know, why he's not in the league, and that's just his political stance. And unfortunately, um, that hadn't been rectified yet. Um, so you know, we'll continue to try to support him, continue to to point that out. Um, and hopefully one of these teams that, that, that has uh, the space will do the right thing and give them a shot. Listen, thank you very much and uh, safe travels home. Thank you. So there was Jake Elliott, Avante. Maddox. And uh, Malcolm Jenkins. I mean, great moment in that Malcolm Jenkins interview where he essentially, where you asked him about late balls and he went, yeah, he's a great, checked himself and then he went, he's an NFL quarterback. And uh, <laughs> I was just like, wonderful, absolutely fantastic. Go to my Twitter, at Ollie Hunter because uh, Josh who came with us um, uh, through Talk Sport um, he videoed it and there's a little smirk on Malcolm Jenkins's face as he does it as well so yeah go to my Twitter have a look at it it's uh, it's good value he was great I loved him and you made a comment about about Jenkins and me afterwards which I loved and maybe it's just one for for a private conversation (laughs) but it was very very funny well yeah I mean the beard the baldness there is an element of it being like he was looking in like a race reversal mirror that's what I said it's a pity I'm about a foot shorter but yeah it it was a very very funny comment I really really liked him and the great thing and I'll just mention the locker room situation in any case there were so so many people in there I've never seen a locker room like it and I've been into Super Bowl winning locker rooms after afterwards as well I've never seen so many media in there maybe it's to do with how compact it all is and the fact that it's a it's a our football style locker room rather than an NFL locker room so it's not as spacious but also Malcolm Jenkins I reckon he probably had reporters uh, camera people around him for about half an hour to 40 minutes and he was happy 
to talk to people in a in a big scrum and then after when all of that had, had gone doing one-on-ones and uh, I spoke to him one-on-one for about two or three minutes there and uh, he couldn't have been he must have received some of the same questions I don't think he received the balls question from anyone else um, but he must have received the same sort of questions about the crowd and how great they were and of which they were the, the Eagles fans but every single every single time and, and by the time he got to me he was so affable and I love that and I, I love the fact that NFL players are like that especially when they come over here I think they have to be like that maybe they're told right don't be salty don't be moody to, to the international um, media because you're ambassadors and you know you may be able to get away with that in, in the States but don't do it here and and they all took that on board I, I, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Malcolm Jenkins on his balls comments I mean the the Jags may well have missed a Super Bowl window by not finding a solution to that situation much much sooner yeah yeah, it's as simple it, as that it put pressure on the defence defence has, has folded this season effectively compared to last season and that that offence has, has really struggled maybe had they had a better quarterback and Fred Taylor mentioned uh, it in a, in, in a chat that I had with him uh, in the week building up to it that they brought they benched um, Bortles for Kessler to throw a rocket up his backside and they brought in Hyde to throw a rocket up Leonard Fournette's backside to get him back on the field had they had a better quarterback maybe Fournette m- may have made himself far less injured I don't know I don't know how to, to, to phrase that properly but maybe Fournette would have would have got himself back fit quicker than he has done because he's not back fit yet the, the, the thing is Bortles actually had a really good second yeah, half he did against the Eagles but a really good second half in terms of a really good second half in terms of he made good throws but the play calling was so dreadful oh yeah and they only ran three designed runs in the second half, plus two quarterback scrambles on top of that to make it five runs in total. Yeah, I just... I, as, as much as I try really hard to sympathise with the with that team, particularly considering you know, they are our team and everything else, it's, it's difficult sometimes. And this is one of those times where it's difficult. It felt like there was no offensive game plan in any way. You know what I mean? Like the if it was a short yard situation, let's chuck in Carlos Hyde and see if he can get it. And it, all of that was so obvious. It didn't seem like they had too much of an offensive game plan, especially in that. Even in the first half, it's like they don't know how to get over Blake Portals' deficiencies. And all right, he he came over a few of them in that second half, but uh, yeah, they, they they weren't well coached on both offense and defense. On uh, on Sunday, right. Uh, let's um, let's turn our attention then to the to the Browns, the Cleveland Browns. We've left this far too late in the podcast, probably because it was the really big news of the week. But Hugh Jackson's horrible run in Cleveland has come to an end. A disastrous three thirty six and one. They also got rid of Todd Haley. I have to say, off the back of watching, um, off the back of watching their hard knocks I thought Todd Haley would be the man to take over instead they turned to horrible Greg Williams who is a horrible horrible human being <laughs> have no time for him whatsoever like the Browns have literally in one fell swoop managed to make me stop caring about the Browns even though they did the right thing by getting rid of uh, of uh, Hugh Jackson going to Greg Williams is just you know they, they really won over the neutrals favour with that performance on hard knocks meh now not so bothered. 
Who do you think will come in? I mean, it, there are offensive coordinators plenty out there. I, I, maybe it's a little too early in the season to think who's who's uh, put their head above the parapet and and said that they're ready for an off for a head coaching role. I think that you'll see you'll see them. Yeah, they'll stick with Williams till the end of the year. John D. Filippo, the Vikings offensive coordinator, I think is well worth uh, the conversation. The guy who was the quarterback whisperer in um, in uh, the in Philadelphia for their Super Bowl run last year. Yeah, um, I think the of they, they they may I think they may well turn to the college game because the fact is is the NFL offenses more and more. We saw it when we were at Wembley last weekend. They go spread so often; it's ridiculous. Like no one in the backfield, five wideouts, um, and if they can bring in the Oklahoma head coach Lincoln Riley whether or not he wants an NFL job at this point I don't know but who better to get to work with Baker Mayfield than his former head coach so that could be a possibility um, outside of that there's no one else that kind of screams at me uh, you know you, what you essentially do is you look at those who have been working under the great offensive minds that have worked so you look at the Rams and say well could Zach Taylor or, or Shane Waldron step out of the shadow of uh, Sean McVay and do a job as a head coach Matt LaFleur the Titans have hardly lit things up this year, but he came out of the McVeigh slash Kyle Shanahan tree, as it were. So he may be one direction they look in. I think they go offensive, even though the tendency is to flip from offensive to defensive. You look for something different to what you had already. The defense is looking good as it is. Go find somebody to uh, to run that offense and make Baker Mayfield the best he can be. What about this? If it doesn't go particularly well in Michigan, what about Jim mm-hmm. Harbaugh? He's from Ohio. It's it's an interesting shout. But I think Michigan the last couple of weeks, I mean, I don't know, haven't they shown some fire the Wolverines after Yeah, a they've shown they've the shown a bit of fire. They uh they've got Penn State this weekend which I know the guys are going to in at at the big house. Um they, they they, and to, they beat they, they beat Mitch to fifth. They beat uh, in Michigan, the rankings. Yeah, they beat Michigan State a couple of weeks ago. The week I did uh, the the Gridiron College Football Show podcast. Uh, just put that in well there. Well worth checking out. Yeah, well worth checking that out. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, but yeah, so they they are playing better, and it was a, a solid performance. But I wonder if maybe Jim Hubble's taken them as far as they can go because they have fallen out to fifth and. If he gets them into a playoffs, maybe if he doesn't get them to the playoffs, that they they might think about moving. I don't know. That, that's one for the college experts. But I'm just putting it out there. He's from Ohio. It, it would it, maybe he fancies another shot at uh, at the NFL. Cleveland. It, it could work. It could work. Right. Let's um, uh, let's finish off. So let's finish off the show with the delightful Kay Adams. We do mention the game at the end of it, but you know what? She was great. So we're just going to leave it in there as well. And then we'll get to uh, Thursday night football. We're just going to do that with Skybet because Ollie, do you want to talk about the 49ers and the Raiders? No. There we go. So uh, Ollie, before we go, Kay Adams, and then uh, and then Skybet. Any final thoughts? Da da da. Excellent. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening. This has been the Gridiron Show. Uh, let's round off with Kay Adams and then the very latest from Skybet. How are you enjoying London? I, you know what? It's so weird. I was here once only. I was actually here for the Anthony Joshua Pavetkin fight. Oh, wow. Nice. Yeah, okay. But it was very in and out. So I had like one day in London, didn't get to see much. And, and you and got still, to go to Wembley, got to see it. 
I host, in that yeah. Environment. I, I work for Dizone also. Okay, so fantastic. Doing, oh, okay, yeah. yeah. The guys over so, there, yeah. Yes, so. yes, yes. So we, we were there, and I saw Wembley with 90,000 people singing Sweet Caroline. Insane, isn't it? I, I was not ready. I was not ready for the energy in the stadium. My dad always, my dad's from Poland, so he knows how historic and amazing Wembley is just with soccer. And I was, I can't, I didn't get to go to this last game. So I was dying when the boys were telling me about all the energy and all of the fans and the people and the people who even knew our show and the jerseys and all of that. Uh, it's sort of wild and I cannot wait for Sunday. I cannot it, wait. It, isn't that amazing though? Like you do a morning TV show in America. First of all, I mean, so this night, you must be quite enjoying not having to get up at four in the morning to I, do this. I actually would rather get up. Oh, okay. Morning. Yeah, because then you wake up. So I wake up at like, what, seven or six here and I've got to be here by 9.30 anyway for a noon show. So why not just wake up at 3.30 and be done by 10 a.m.? And go and experience a bit of London. 100%. Because when you wake up, then you're like thinking about what you want to say on the show when you're overproducing. When you wake up at 3.30 every morning and you know you have to be ready at 7, you've got a small time frame to really go over everything. Put something in a teleprompter for me. Give me a script. No, Tell me who we're talking that is, to. That is not our <laughs> yeah, show. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. That was, no. that was insulting, no, no, but That's the point. Is that That's not your show. No, and it's not. Isn't it amazing how well people know it here despite the fact that you know, it's on lunchtime here. It's yeah. not the kind of, it's not the sort of thing so we normally get on doing? TV So what are people doing? Just like s- sitting at work and not doing their accounting work and they're just, they, do they have like an iPad in their drawer? I don't think they like to admit to it, but okay. very possibly. Is yeah, I can is? imagine so. I mean, it's easier when you work in this and you get to just like, you know, I've done the nights, I've done the late evening, the night before. How did you get into the NFL? Uh, well, my dad was based out in San Francisco for quite a few years. So I'm a big 49ers fan, went to see live games. That's how I got into it. But you find most people here, it's, they watched a Super Bowl or two. They went out. You might have noticed that English people and British people quite like to go out, quite like to enjoy. Oh, I went to, I went to uh, get a pie and go to the pub before the Arsenal game. <laughs> okay, nice. Yes. Okay. And I got behind the bar. I was pouring my own drinks. I'm a big fan of the beer here. I'm not kidding. I think I was supposed to be born in London. Well, yeah. We're welcome with open arms. I feel amazing energy here. It's not... People aren't too nice, but they're not at all mean. But there's just... Not, there's not like a... It's not like the Midwest of America, but it's not New York. You know what I mean? It reminds me of yeah. where I'm from in Chicago. That's it. Chicago's more, a great show. But shout. more historic. And obviously, obviously more historic, but just uh, a cooler Chicago. So we've got a cooler Chicago. And I'm from Chicago. And That's I love saying it. something. I lo- like, All week on the show, I'm saying I want to move to London. See, isn't if, it funny? If, if they I- move a team here, which I, I, I mean, whatever. If that were to happen ever, I hope everyone's listening to me. I would love to be the first <laughs> London employee. <laughs> so I, honestly, I. I that's hilarious because I've always said I'd love to move to the States because of how much I love football. And, really? But it would be, it'd have to be Chicago, yeah. New York, or maybe the West Coast, but I couldn't do LA. Like, it's no, just I just look me. around at these bridges, the history, the people, the food, the vibe, and I think, what idiots decided to say, let's leave here. Let's leave here. <laughs> me, and, apparently. And get, on, <laughs> and get on some boats and go, go west. Why would you ever do that? Silly. My agent's from here, and I'm like, I love lost respect for you for living in America. I like London quite a bit. Have you guys been doing a lot of stuff outside of doing the show while you're here, getting out and get? You obviously just said went behind the pub. Did you actually go to the Arsenal game as well? Then I, we did. We went to the Arsenal game, and uh, the, is it match or game? Is uh, it yeah, game? you can call it either. Match, can you? It, match is probably what a fan here would call right. it. Right. So yeah, yeah, we did. I've been to several soccer games, uh, and my family. Are, is European, so they they don't really know American football, which is also very in- interesting to me to see so many foreign fans embracing football. My dad doesn't know anything about football. Have you been surprised? At the I don't know how many fans you managed to interact with yet, but 
just how passionate when you see these games and the guys talk about the stadium yeah. being 85,000 people and they're loud at the right time quiet at the right time getting behind the home team all that stuff were you surprised to see that that's taken on so well here? I would be surprised if it wasn't for Twitter I think obviously technology has catalyzed all of this because it's so easy to turn on Game Pass it's so easy to interact We, I hear from foreign fans all the time I have an international fantasy football league Great. Love I, that. Yes, and the NFL, the NFL UK has been really helpful with that. And I thought to myself, getting all these tweets from people watching our show in the middle of the day, like I imagine they're they're literally like pretending to work and really watching our show with headphones on. I love everything about that. So I went to the NFL and I said, "Would you guys help me sort of get the word out about doing an international fantasy football league?" And we did it, and we had fans send in videos of why. How do they watch? I think I did see this yeah. on social. Yeah. How do they, how do you watch? What is your game day setup like? What time are you awake? Why do you like the team you like? How did you choose it? All of those things. And we got, you know, 100 videos. It was unbelievable. People from Bolivia, Peru, China, all over loving the NFL. So I picked, uh, based on these videos, representatives. And Harry Kane's in the league this year. Yeah, nice. Which is, he knows his stuff as yes, well. Yes, he does. He loves the Patriots, which it's unbelievable. I got so in trouble I wasn't for... that surprised when I got here because I knew that that fan base was here. I got in trouble for asking him too much about the NFL because they're like, no, you need to speak to, you're going to speak to Harry Kane. Really? You need to ask about Tottenham and England or whatever else. And I'm like... I like your humble brag like, of just hanging out with Harry Kane. <laughs> Not hanging out. Okay. Like, very much work-based. I could try and make it a humble yeah. brag, but it wouldn't have been. Uh, I'm terrible at stuff like that. Uh, at what? Being like... Being kind of, if something, if I get to meet someone like that, trying to not be a massive fanboy for the entire oh, that's time, hard for you to we, do. We were talking about this last night because we don't get the the level of access here compared with what you get in the states is is minuscule. And we were talking about it on the show uh, last night, in fact. And I was saying the, the second Super Bowl I went to was out in San Francisco, and on the second morning we got Ronnie Lott and Jerry Rice that's both amazing. come by our desk. And when you grew up through the nineties and watching those guys, and those were your first experience of football, there's like a little bit of me that's like. Kind of, this is, you don't want to meet your heroes? What is this? Well, yeah, and they both end up being an absolute of delight, of course. But, yeah, I struggle with that. So if I was trying to be cool around anyone, yeah, I'm not good <laughs> at that at all. Uh, did you, have you managed to watch either the Monday or the, well, Thursday night coming up? Have you tried watching the game at 1am uh, on Monday? You know what? I did because I wasn't adjusted to the time, so I was up. I watched the Falcons game. Okay, so... I, so I just got here late Sunday night. Uh, and I haven't slept much. I don't know what it is, but I still have energy, so I think it's just the vibe of London that's keeping me going at this point. But I can't imagine what you guys do to catch these games. I do love that I'm so ahead of the curve here, even more so than in New York. I could never live in L.A. I know you were saying that because I'd be waking up and I feel like the day had passed me by because New York sets the agenda for the day in the States. But this is even ahead of that. We try and set the agenda. We mm-hmm. don't necessarily do a great job of it, but we mm-hmm. do try. Uh, what's, uh, what are your expectations for this weekend, then? For the Jags and the Eagles from what you've seen and heard Unfortunately, I... I mean, these are two teams really struggling, but they've got too much potential to keep performing the way they're performing. I was the one critical voice on our show of the Eagles going into this year. Okay. Because, I, you know, Kyle fell in love with them. They won the Super Bowl. You have to give them their respect. And the way that they did it as well is is kind of... Absolutely. Anyone who loves football loves watching that level of aggression, the quality of that defense. That's all kind of... And how it all came together and everything Howie Roseman did, even in the draft, the offseason moves leading up to this amazing season. But to me, it wasn't even about a Super Bowl hangover. It was simply about this is not the same team anymore. I sort of believe in the sanctity of a Super Bowl team. Something very special has to happen. It has to be a perfect 
perfect orchestration of everything on all sides. And when you lose DiFilippo and when you lose Frank Reich and you lose the guys that are calling plays and coaching up your quarterbacks and coming up with these RPOs that took the league and you now don't have that anymore, all credit to Doug Peterson, but that's not the same team anymore. When you don't have LeGarrette Blunt, who you added for third, uh, for third downs, when you part ways or have injuries, it's just not the same team anymore. And I don't know if they're a team that needs that underdog Mentality to drive them and keep going. I always say that about Steve Smith. I'm like, I wonder if you were a six foot tall wide receiver, if you'd be any good. Because <laughs> that's a great show. Because if you're not, you know, it's, it's it's because of your size. It's because of you being overlooked that you played with the chip on the shoulder that you did. I don't I don't feel that vibe from them this year. Jacksonville. But that's the vibe we've had from Jacksonville in the past, and then this year it's not quite. I mean, this we thought this might be finally the game. So don't know if you know this. Twenty four London games as we as of this weekend. Okay. We've never had a Congratulations. game. Congratulations. Cheers. Cheers. Great. But we've never had a game where both teams have had a winning record. And we saw this game. We saw week seven with week eight. Oh, it's we thought, gonna be a great we game. We thought this is gonna be two teams coming in. They're gonna be six and one, five and two, they're gonna be ready to go. And both teams have kind of stuttered. They've stuttered, but this is so, so. This is it. Now you have two teams in desperation mode, which is almost more fun than oh, you yeah. know what, what do you want a six and one team coming in here? Whatever. No, now you have two teams <laughs> that once they were this close to meeting in the Super Bowl last year, and one of them will turn it around. Maybe both of them could turn it around. The Jags. I don't know. Bench the benching of Blake Bortles is is wild to me. I so said we had and okay I'll do I'll do one clang I'll do a okay. what's a clang uh, no, it's a, a name drop uh, okay well so, Harry Kane already uh, happened who else did you meet it's not, this is a good one but this is a, okay well Mark Brunel is in town this okay. morning and so we asked him about this and he said he thought it was brilliant Mark he Brunel went, didn't even come on our work. show he came and hung out with you unbelievable you got Fred Taylor though so he's pretty cool he's great yeah the he boys were fanboying quite so, a bit yeah I, I don't know I, I think the Jags the position they're in right now, this has to be the weekend they turn it around. You say both might. I feel like the Eagles could lose here and go on and still have because a good season. Because the division is... But a, the Jags win here, NFC, it could just implode. NFC East is anybody's ball game. They can definitely take it. But as far as the Jags, you're right. This will be... But the thing is, they make the move to take Blake Bortles out and then they're giving him the start again. All they try to do is build confidence in Blake Bortles. If you Google... Do you guys have Google? <laughs> <laughs> if you Google... Blake Bortles' confidence, pages and pages come up that say all the things that they've done, giving him the money, talk, t- talking him up, all of these things that his teammates even do to build up his confidence. You stripped it all away by taking him off the bench, but maybe that's what he needed. Look, okay, really enjoyed it. Brilliant stuff. Thank, Thank you so you. much and enjoy the rest of your Thank time. Thank you. I will. Do you have any recommendations Lovely. for me? What kind of thing do you want? What um, are you for? I don't know. I went to the pie. What is it called? The pie? Pie Minster? No. Oh, I don't remember. Pie Minster? I've got to say, there's not a lot of... The best thing we do in London is other people's food. You can get incredible Japanese food in London. I heard amazing Indian food. Incredible incredible Indian food in London. Okay, so Indian food it is. English food's not great. Thanks, Tormund. Dishoom. Tormund. Tormund. Thank you. All right, let's take a look now at Thursday Night Football and a couple of other interesting markets with our friends from Skybet. And Jacob joins us. Uh, Jacob, let's kick things off with the news that Ollie and I were just discussing. The Cleveland Browns, they sacked their head coach, they sacked their offensive coordinator, they put terrible human being Greg Williams in charge. But who's going to be the next permanent head coach? Yeah, so we've got the market up for the next head coach after interim head coach Greg Williams. Um, we'll start off with himself, actually. If he does then become the permanent head coach, uh, then you can get him at 10 to 1. Uh, defensive guy, I could see them, in my opinion, going with an offensive guy. And like you say, maybe just a nicer person. I am, um, <laughs> But 
Um, he is there at 10 to 1 if you do think that they will stick with him and maybe stick a, offensive, a stick a guy in OC instead. I think when it comes to this market, you really it comes down to three categories. You've got current coordinators and positional coaches, college head coaches, and then current NFL head coaches. So if we start with current coordinators, we've got Zach Taylor, who's the favourite in the market at 4 to 1. He's the current Rams quarterbacks coach. He was OC for the Dolphins. He, we've seen the transformation that Jared Goff has had this season uh, from now a possible MVP candidate from what was looking like maybe a bust. It could be that they're thinking maybe he can do the same with Baker Mayfield. Next at 6-1, to one, we've got John Filippo, the Vikings OC. I think he was an OC for the Browns in 2015, so he might know the organisation a little, uh, quite a little bit better than, than other candidates. But also, if you just look at the Vikings' offence in the past few years, they've gone through a number of different quarterbacks, and it's not matter who you've put in, but they've racked up points and they've done really well. So it could be one that they're also looking at. Then if we look at college head coaches, this is probably the public's favourite from what we've seen so far, is Lincoln Riley. Oklahoma head coach I think they need to go for somebody that's all in on Baker Mayfield because they used that that high pick on him and they've now put thrown him in there and who's going to be more all in Baker Mayfield than his college head coach so that to me also makes sense and then you've also got David Shaw who's the Stanford head coach he's sat at 20 to 1 it seems like every time there's an NFL coaching job he's thrown into the mix so maybe it's only a matter of time before he decides to to move into the NFL. And then last- it's an interesting one, that one, just quickly on David Shaw, because he has turned down jobs before, uh, whether whether Cleveland would be the one he's looking for. But other than that, every every other name you've named so far were ones that I threw into the hat. So I'm pretty pleased with how we're going thus far. Where do we finish with? Um, so how about if we're looking at current head coaches, which is something we don't see too often in the NFL of teams going after current head coaches. But how about Mike McCarthy for the for the Packers? You know, if they don't make the playoffs this season, then it sounds like it could be someone who's out the door and it's very possible they don't make the playoffs in that division. So it could be someone that then they go after there as as a current head coach. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I don't know if I buy the current head coach side of things. I think college or coordinator is the likely direction they go. But then I've never understood anything the Cleveland Browns have done. So there we go. We'll figure it out. Um, (laughs) So let's look forward to Thursday night football. The 49ers against the Raiders. The Battle of the Bay. Traditionally, this can be a great game. I'm not sure it's going to be today, but uh, yeah, well, you know, maybe people will find more interest if they give this one a go. Possibly. I think maybe when the NFL was booking this game in at the start of the season they were thinking they'll have the, the new look Gruden Raiders against Shanahan and Jimmy G tearing it up and unfortunately instead what we've got is two one win teams battling it out um, but the 49ers are the slight favourites they're sat 4-6 um, to the Raiders at 5-4 to four, three point favourites the total points lines moved up and down a little bit but it seems to be settling now we're settled at 45 and a half so I think it's going to be a tight game, but yeah, like you say, it can often be a good game, this game. 
It's interesting because I quite liked the over on the points already, and it's actually moved down a couple of points. So I don't know if that's because the market have been dictating that, whether there's some, uh, whether the traders know something that I don't know. But certainly for my request a bit, I've, I'm going, I, I definitely 100% with uh, the over on it. Um, I then think I fancy Matt Breeder for a big day. So I'm going for 100 plus yards and a touchdown for Breeder. And then because we've not gone very bold with these, we've had a few come in, but a couple of them have been at like six to one, nine to two, things like that. I think at least one of these quarterbacks is going to have to throw for 300 plus yards because a team are going to go behind. It's going to be quite high scoring and they're going to start throwing the ball a bit. So I fancy any quarterback for 300 plus yards, 46 plus total points and Matt Breeder to have a big day, 100 plus rushing yards and a touchdown. Yeah, so that's going to go on site at 25 to 1. Like you say, Matt Breeder, he started off the season really well and after five weeks he was in the top five in rushing. He had a couple of injury niggles, but it sounds like he's going to be back properly this week and against this defence. He's got a good chance to have a, have a big day. And then what we've seen from both of these teams is any time they're behind, they're looking to, to, to fling the ball. And, and we saw it from the Niners in the Packers game. And we've seen it from other games from Derek Carr. If Matt Breeder does score like, we, like we're saying he's going to, then don't be surprised if Derek Carr then just starts to throw the ball to get you up to your 300. Now, somebody, unless they tie, is going to get off the one wins here. So get off a single win here. Uh, it's an interesting game to follow, not for a playoff perspective, but certainly for a number one overall pick perspective. We're at that point in the season, eight weeks in. A lot of talk about who's going to do well this season. But who are we fancying for the number one overall at the moment? Yeah, so you can bet on who's going to have the worst record in the NFL. And funnily enough, these two teams are the two top teams in that market. So the Raiders are the favourites at 9-4. to four. I think, obviously, they're slight underdogs in this game. But then you look at their schedule, they've got a really tough schedule left. They've got to play the Chargers. They've got to play the Chiefs twice. They've got to play the Ravens, the Steelers, and the Bengals, not to mention the Broncos. You've got to look at their schedule and say the only winnable game there is, is the Cardinals. So it's going to be a really tough ride to the end of the season here. So I think if they want to avoid the number one pick, a win tomorrow is very very important next we've got the 49ers at 11 to 4 their schedule is also tough but possibly just a little bit easier they've got the Giants which is a winnable game they've got the Buccaneers anything seems to be able to happen in one of their games then they've got some tough games with the Seahawks twice the Broncos and the Bears and then they've got the Rams in week 17 but just the one to be careful with there is if the Rams are already secure this, they played them last year in week 17 and the Rams rested all of their players and essentially gifted the 49ers a win just to avoid injury so that's something to maybe keep in mind when looking at, uh, at which teams are going to get get beat in week 17 Brilliant stuff Jacob as always really appreciate your time of course it is over 18s only head to skybet.com for all the latest uh, odds and terms conditions and please gamble responsibly Thank you Great stuff, man.